That's my prayer. Because the Holy Spirit works with simple truth. The Holy Spirit is not complicated. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we honor you because you have brought us to a new month. This is the month that you have designated for us as your people for change, for upgrade, for distinction. We trust you for it. We thank you for what you have begun. And today is the very first Sunday we're meeting together to share about your goodness and your faithfulness. We just ask that there will be revelation knowledge to every one of us in this place. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We honor you and we bless you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. So, as a congregation, I want to welcome every one of us to the month of distinction. To be distinct is to be marked out. To be distinct is to be set aside. And I welcome us to the month where God is setting you aside for his glory. I want to welcome us because I believe in the prophetic word of God. You see, there are things I don't control in life. But there are things I can control. I do not control occurrences in life. They happen. I do not control people's reaction and decisions because they will happen. But one thing I control is that in every situation I recognize the hands of God and the manifestation of his glory and I learn to respond in faith honoring the Lord in every situation of my life. That I can control. Because that is tied to my will. And my will is based on the revelation that I have. You see, when you see people acting certain ways, people only hack to the degree of the revelation they have. That's why no man can be greater than the knowledge that he has. The knowledge that you have drives your life. Either good or bad. So, we'll begin this month of distinction on a note that separates us. And so you've been talking about separation, distinction. What separates us? And our sister mentioned tremendous work that God is doing. And thank you, sis, for sharing with us because I believe what you have just shared is going to be my brother's testimony this week. It's going to be your testimony, sis. It's going to be your testimony, my brother. It's going to be your testimony, man. It's going to be your testimony, sis. It's going to be your testimony, Liz, because everywhere God will place us, he has positioned us for a reason because God is working and is moving and is moving in a corporate manner. These are the days where God is bridging the gap between the pews and the pulpit. I hope we understand what I'm talking about. That God is bridging the gap. When I say bridge the gap, I know what I'm talking about. That there is no confinement to the power of God to either the pulpit or the pews. Because God wants to work in all of us. It says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers. Is that what it said? No, he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. 
Ah, glory to God. He's going to pour out his spirit on our flesh. I want us to be ready. You see, when you're ready, you can be used. Readiness begins with the way we think. So this morning, I'm going to share with us on what I call the heart of praise. The heart of praise. This is something that I have lived by because I don't know for the rest of us, everything in my life signifies the greatness of God. And I'm going to tie this in very personal, simple sentences that is going to make sense to us on the fact that if we can develop, if the Lord can help our hearts to understand that each day we live is a privilege and that we need to develop this culture, this lifestyle that is that completely disregards what is going on outside of us, but it's just something, a culture that we have come to realize and we have come to understand as the people that God has given everything to. I don't know about you, he gave me everything. Everything. I begin by reading from the book of Psalm 145. Please join me, church, as we read the scriptures, the word of the Lord. Psalms chapter number 145. How many of us believe that the kindness and the goodness of God is not spoken of enough among us as believers? The kindness and the goodness of God. I love you. For your mercies never fails me all my days. We can keep singing. <laughs> Psalm 145. I will extol thee. Are we there with me? Oh my, oh my God, oh King, I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. I want us to mark in our minds the active words is the word I will. Did we notice that from those verses? I will extol thee. I will bless thee. Every day I will bless thee. I will praise thee forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. I generate, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Praise for us as kingdom people is not obligatory, is not. Praise or gratitude is not optional for those who have spiritual understanding. Praise is living. Praise is a lifestyle for us. And so David 
by the Spirit of God began to pray and began to speak to the Lord, I will extol thee. Even when everything around me suggests otherwise, I will. Praise is an act of will. In my study of the word of God, the will of man plays such significant, plays such significant roles in expressing who that individual is. Jesus saw a man that was blind and said, what will you have me do? Because Jesus knew the power of will. God made us as a people to be a free will agent. God isn't going to bypass your will. If you be willing and obedient, there is something, many of us have concordances at home, go back home and study the issue of the will. Jesus walked through the streets of Jerusalem, but the problem is, Jesus went through many surrounding cities. However, in his own birthplace, the Bible says Jesus could not do many miracles. Why? Because the people were not willing to accept him for who he is. The will of man matters. Many of us remember before Jesus was arrested and taken to the cross, he walked into Jerusalem and Jesus started saying words that those around him did not understand. And he said, how I wish, oh Jerusalem, you would know what belongs unto you, but behold, it is hidden from thee. There is a need for the will of man to agree with the will of God. So the will of man is very critical. And praise is an act of will. Can I ask us this morning, are you willing to praise him? I'm not saying is everything perfect in your life. I'm just saying, are you willing to praise him? Even when everything around you is falling apart. Because the stories over and over again in the scriptures of those who praise God are not those who are having Ferrari and having, you know, 24 hours party. No, the people who praise God are those who were going through hell, but in the midst of the hell, they are not stopping, but they are giving glory to God, knowing that regardless of what goes around me, God deserves all the praise. It is a good culture to develop, to understand that you don't control events around your life, but you control your response to the living God who has given you a privilege to be around to even see the event, either positive or not. Hacked of will. Habakkuk went to God and began to appeal on behalf of the entire nation. And the Lord said, not now. Not now. And then Habakkuk returned and said, I will stand upon my watch. And I will lift up his name. And I will praise him. And I will worship his name. Even when there is no animals in the stock, and there is no harvest in the field. I will stand upon my high places and glorify God. 
What he was saying, many of us can never comprehend. The people were nomads. They depended on the resources of their field to survive. You see, we're living in the 21st century where we have multiple choices. Industrial revolution. In those days, there was no industry, let alone revolution. <laughs> there was nothing. It's either you're a farmer or you're a nomad. You have to choose one. And so they depended on those resources for survival. And when that's when you observe throughout the scriptures, there was story after story of farming. How many of us have noticed about stories of farming? Yeah. You know why they talk about it? Because they knew without, when farming occurs without water, without rain, and there is dryness, the grass will wither. Now, the farmers may be crying that he's not having any production from the field. But you see, the people who are suffering the most... The nomads are suffering the most because the animals will die. So really, farming means everything around them went berserk. I will praise you. It went farther. I think I'm going to need some help at this point. Glory to God. It went further in verse 5 and it says, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And the men shall speak of the mighty, of the might of the terrible hearts, and I will declare thy greatness. In verse 7, they shall abundantly utter the memory of the great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. Please help me to verse 11. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power my mouth shall speak the praise of the lord and let all the flesh bless his holy name forever and ever the first four verses i told us the lord looked at the word i will you know what i want us to pay attention to in the last few verses i read is i will speak off ever since speak off this is not just about my will it's the fact that there is another level of praise not just that I am praising God, but I'm speaking to the third and the fourth and the fifth party and to numerous people about the goodness and the greatness of God. You see, there are those who are good at praising God to themselves, but they have not learned that your praise is inadequate if you cannot share what God has done to other people. To let them know what he has done for one, he will do for all. Glory to God. I will speak of it. Do we get a picture of what I'm going this morning? It's not just I will. It's also that I will speak of. I thank God for us in this church because we speak of. Either to the crowd or to individuals, we speak of. We testify. We talk to one another. And we know that the Lord is good. And we know that the Lord is faithful. And we know that the Lord is at work. And we know that the Lord is working in us. Glory to God. So my worship is incomplete if I have not learned to speak to others about what the Lord has done. The devil came up with a philosophy and a terrible doctrine a few years ago telling people, you better don't talk about what God is doing so that the enemy does not corrupt what God is doing. Lie from the pit of hell. You know what the devil is doing? He's trying to shut your mouth about speaking about the goodness and the greatness of God. I don't care what the enemy thinks. I don't care what the devil wants to do. I will speak of the goodness of God. 
I will talk about his greatness. Yes, the life from the pit of hell. Oh, don't. And some of those things are cultural based. Let me just tell you, from some of our culture, the culture, one of the cultures that I know, that's the culture I came from. You see, when you're young, when your food, when your produce, <laughs> when you're a farmer and your produce, you know, really come out in bountiful harvest, you better cover it. I get it. But not what God has done. Who, those who mentioned that culture, they were talking about boasting and pride. That you shouldn't go around being prideful. But uh, am I right, sir? Bluffing. But it is not what God has done, though. If I come to you, my brother, and I said, see what the Lord has done. I can disregard the feelings of hell about it. Because each time you speak about the goodness of God, you better believe it. Hell is mad. Because they don't want to hear it. That God is good. That God is merciful. That God is gracious. That God can turn circumstances around. That God can give you songs in the night. That God can walk you through the valley of the shadow of death. And yet he is with you. That God can bring light in the midst of darkness. That God can reverse the irreversible. That God can turn the world clock back. And God can give you praise in the midst of difficult moments. Glory to God. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. That is the God we serve. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Oh, <laughs> but the Lord delivered them out of them all. Glory to God. The devil is a liar. I will speak of the goodness of God. I'd like you to preach to somebody next to you. I will speak of the goodness of God. I don't care what the enemy says. I don't care my past failures and inadequacies. I will speak of the goodness of God. I will declare his glory to the living to know that the God that I serve is a good God. Let me tell you the second lie. The enemy lies this way. Not only that you're afraid of the devil. The enemy lies that if you say it, what if the situation comes back? The enemy plays game with our mind. You know, church, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for him. I have no reputation to protect. I've said it many times here, and I meant what I'm what I'm saying, and I'm still meaning. I have no reputation. My reputation is in Jesus. Is in the finished work on the cross. That's your reputation, brethren. Hallelujah. Because of time, I'm doing a job over this church. I almost will talk about this person, your throat today's service, because I can't finish. That's Psalm 145. I encourage us to go back home and read. This man just went on and kept talking about the outworkings of divine visitation and what it meant and what God has done, even in the means to in lowly times. And if there's anyone who has a message of thanksgiving that we need to learn from, is David. A man that was considered inadequate to rule. His own father did not see him as a king. You see, people around you may not see much out of you, but what is God saying? His own dad, you know what it means when your father does not even believe in you? His dad said, these are my sons. And all of them filed out one by one. And the Lord said, none of them. Because God does not judge 
with the same measurement like we do as men. You see, man's reject is God's appointment. I don't know about us who have suffered rejection this morning, but man's rejection is God's appointment. I'm saying that to you because there is that's a word for somebody here this morning. That when man rejects you, God is going to embrace you. Every time man rejects, watch through the scriptures. Agar was sent out of the house of Abraham. God said, I didn't forget that child. I'm going to take care of that child. Because he's the father of the fatherless. He's the husband of the widow. That's who he is. When you feel rejected, feel abandoned, feel neglected, that's when God steps in. Because you see, if you have all the support around you, when do you need him? In the first place. I don't know about you. You don't need him when everything is right. You need him when everything is done. And, and you know, every hell broke loose over us. It's so easy and convenient to get caught up in the habit of always asking. And I don't want to talk to us as prayer people because we're praying. This is our month of, we're fasting and praying till tomorrow. It's so easy for us to get to the habits of just asking and, and failing to recognize the need for praise and for gratitude. I propose to us as a church a praise and gratitude service. I just propose it. Even if it's only once a month. Let's just come before the Lord and put our needs aside and put all our concerns and worries aside and say, all I want to do today is just to come to worship Him. I just want to bless you. I just want to worship you. You are dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar to where you are. I want to be where you are, dwelling in your presence, sitting at your table, surrounded by your glory, in your presence, that's where I always want to be, <laughs> I just want to be. I just want to be with you. Why do I want to praise God? We're going to run through this. The Lord knew me in my helpless state. I don't know about you this morning. Some of us are strong. You've always been strong. I wasn't. God knew me in my helpless state. I want us to hear me well. And loved me in spite of me. Church healer, God knew me. I'm talking to every one of us, and I know you're personalizing that. God knew you in your helpless state and still loved you in spite of you. I want to thank God for the love of our spouses and thank God this morning. <laughs> thank God. Hallelujah. <laughs> and our loved ones. Thank God for the love that we experience from our loved ones. But nothing compares to the love of God. Nothing compares. The scripture says it this way in 1 John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now 
we are the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. <laughs> Every man that has this hope in him purified himself even as he is. Do you know what the scripture say? When he shall appear, the Bible says, we shall see him as he is. But what is going to be interesting when he appears is that you and I will be like him. Think about that for a moment. You and I are going to be like him. Let me tell us what he's going to be like when he shows up. He's going to show up in splendor, in glory, in majesty, no longer as a lamb of God in a manger. Now he's going to show up as a king of kings, the Lord of lords, the everlasting father. He will ride upon the white horse. He will speak, and the fire proceeds out of his mouth as he speaks. Oh yes, every living will know that the king of kings has shown up because he will manifest all of his glory. That disappears. The Bible says, at that moment, we will be like him. Any other comfort that you need this morning, that's it right there. Glory to God. This excites me. That is the God we serve. When we see him, we'll be excited like him. The scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 8, he raised, this is why he loved me, even when I was unlovable. He raised the poor out of the dust. He's talking about me, I don't know about you. Lifted up the beggar from the dung here. You said it this morning, some people are still beggars. Even though God has made a provision not to be beggars anymore. He says, to set them among princes, and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. And he has set the word upon them. Let me add one more scripture to you. Psalm 113. Psalm 113 verse 7. The Bible says he raised the poor out of the dust. It's a confirmation of what we read in 1 Samuel. It says and lifted the needy out of the dunghill. But I don't want it to stop there. I want us to see a different version. L-E-B, a like different version. He says, erase the helpless from the dust. The helpless from the dust. It lifts the needy from the harsh heap of life. And that's me. I don't know about you, that's me. It raises us up from the harsh heap of life. Because grace came to my rescue. When I needed it most, grace was there. Grace, many of us have no idea how much grace has done. <laughs> and what I have seen grace do in the lives of other people. I'm telling you right now this morning, I've been around for a while in the kingdom. And I know what grace has done for me. And I know what grace has done in the lives of, of other people. There are people that I met in my life, they were worse than the worst of the devil you can see. But when the grace of God came across, uh, God turned the worst of sinners to the best of saints. Uh, because that's what grace do. Grace, grace unto it. One of the things that grace will do in your life, grace, grace bridges the gap between us and the Father. We were nowhere close to the Father, but the grace said, I am the bridge. Don't worry, 
have a straight walk, no problem. Walk straight to the Father. Grace raises us up from the harsh heel of sin and sin dominion. Grace brought illumination to the dark mind, spirit, and our imagination. That's what grace did. Do you know today you recognize when the enemy is beginning to play pranks on your mind? You know it. You know it. If he's man of the spirit, you know it. And you sense it. That's what grace did. Grace illuminated our mind. Who gave us an understanding. If grace does not illuminate your mind, you have no idea what is going on. You're just in the midst of the crowd. Grace led us out of the prison of the kingdom of darkness. The Bible says he conveyed us into the kingdom of his dear son. You know what grace also did? Grace did not just leave you sinless. It beautified us. Because you know what grace did? Grace restored the glory that was lost in Eden. The glory that was lost at the beginning, grace restored it. Because sin is ugly. Church, I wanted to hear me. Sin makes men ugly. Sin makes men miserable. Sin makes people undesirable to God. You may not recall, they may have millions, but they are undesirable. They are ugly. But they don't see their ugliness because sin will make people to go lower than they usually should be. They will descend to the region of animals. Anybody in the house hearing me this morning? When you see people descending to the region of animals, it is because there is lack of grace. When grace occurs, it brings you, it opens your eyes. That's why people argue over things that don't need to be argued over. Because the enemy had blinded their eyes. They descended lower even than animals. The Bible said they would do things that are inconvenient. Things that are not natural. Why? Because sin creates ugliness in people's lives. It is not subject to debate. There are things I won't even debate you about. Because you will never understand it. You see... Many, many believers go into the newspaper and they are trying to prove us right. You don't need to. 